something like 1984 could actually happen. This is the direction the world is going in at the present time. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man. And the number is 666. Sheep among wolves. All right, welcome to Sheep Among Wolves. I am your host, and I'm here with my co-host, George. How are you doing, George? I'm doing great down here in the sunny south. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit uh, warmer down there than it is up here in the north. Although today well, wasn't too bad. Well, it was kind of a chilly day today. It only got up to 82, so. Nah. Yeah, jealous, very jealous here. Well, I wanted us to get together and uh, start this new podcast that we have here. And it kind of grew out of what you and I actually have been doing for almost 25 years. We just never recorded it. And so what's happened <laughs> over the last 25 years is not only are you my father, but you're also my business partner. What we would do is we would sit around uh, when it was kind of slow or when we just didn't want to work. And you and I would sit there and talk sometimes for hours about just certain things in life. And usually it stemmed around politics and economics, uh, but it all kind of wrapped around into end time prophecy. And it's because, as they say, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. You were one of my uh, first people who introduced me to end time prophecy. And so this podcast really is uh, centering around this idea of end time prophecy that is going on today, but we'll bring in lots of different things, politics, economics, education, because you can't get away from that when we look at end time prophecy. So what I want to do here is before we get into what we're going to talk about tonight, which is really the great awakening versus the great reset that is coming, I would like for us to get into kind of the backstory of not only me, but then you who introduced me to all of this. So could you kind of explain your background and how you first got into end time prophecy? Well, it, it really goes back to the 60s. Um, when uh, we were going to regular church and we ended up going to a charismatic um, Bible study at a person's home. And so these people spoke in tongues and, and, and were charismatic and they, we, your mother and I had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> We got involved, and we just began to to uh, be with them. And I began to study more, and as well as your mother. And 
just to study the end times revelation. Revelation has always fascinated me, probably all the way back to when I was a teenager. And uh, but the charismatic movement helped me to to expand on that. Uh, I, I did research. I did studies. I taught Bible studies. I just been actively involved in in what I believe has been coming. And uh, here we are, 50 years later, that about right, 50, 40, 50 years later. And uh, what I've been talking about for all these years is, looks like it's real, looks like we're here. And uh, I remember you telling me that uh, when I said, it looks like it's here, you said, well, that's what you've been saying for a long time. <laughs> Why are you worried about it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, it, it it is. It's a scary proposition when you, it, you when you've had the good life for so long, and um, I just I I'm very concerned that people are not prepared for what's coming, and only the Lord can prepare us. We're, we're even though we're not prepared, and even though I've studied this, and you and I have talked for more than two decades, we're not prepared, and and that's sad. But hopefully the, the Lord will overcome that, and hopefully now us talking and others, um, just pray that the Holy Spirit will, will move. And, and if we have to go through this, then so be it. And so that's basically where we are. Uh, I could fill in a lot. I could talk for hours, as you know. Well, you know, we probably will. <laughs> yeah, I talk two hours and never get out of the introduction. No, that's okay. We can always talk. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for 20-some years about this stuff, and I wish we would yeah. have been recording those conversations we had, although we'd probably have to do a lot of editing in order for it to, uh, you know, make it sound better. But we yeah. literally probably have thousands of hours where we talked about this stuff. But what it's done is it's honed us into where we are today, you know, obviously putting years onto that. But then between you and I, we do have separate views. We have the same end goal, but we have separate ways of getting there. And I truly believe iron sharpens iron. And you and I have been sharpening each other over the last 20 some years. Um, and I believe we have now gotten to this point in our history where what you and I have been talking about is finally being fulfilled. Um, and that can be scary. And I agree with you. We are definitely not where we should be, even though we've been talking about this for years but we're going to ramp up pretty quickly um, through the spirit. We can ramp up real quickly and move forward during this time of the great reset that is coming in the next few years and possibly into the next decades. Now you started really getting into this in the sixties and seventies. Who are some of the people that you followed early on? that kind of piqued your interest or you kind of researched early on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you get older, Sam. My mind went blank. Uh, 
Dr. Um, well, there, there was Dr. Summerall, and there was, uh, that's terrible. Is that Van Empey? Yeah, Dr. Van Empey. Thank you. Yep. You'll, you'll find out, Sam, when, when you get here. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I'm there, uh, just not maybe to the extent you are, but I'm definitely there, too. Uh, it, it just disappears. But I have to say that early on, Dr. Van Empey was, was a, a major uh, influence in me. I read lots of books. I did lots of study, did a lot of praying, felt like I was in the wilderness for a long time. Um, but I would say he and Dr. Summerall probably were the two main ones. Um, the Pados had, had influence on me. Uh, as you can tell, I've been the Assembly of God for a long time, uh, in and out. Uh, and I've just... Well, um, Pastor Ribert that I had several years, I remember he used to, oh, and this was in the 70s, early 70s, before I went to Germany. He had on his, um, he had a decent-sized church, maybe a 1,000 members, somewhere in there, and he would have this big, goes clear across the stage of, of time, the timeline. <laughs> And clear from Genesis all the way to to Revelation, and he would he would talk on those and preach on that, and uh, that had a great influence on me. It's it, all of those things that really really stirred my spirit to know that um, that what's coming and. Oh boy, uh, I felt early on that uh, I'd probably be involved in the rapture whenever that takes place. Uh, but I've always felt that I was going to go through some some hard times. I, it, it just I just always kind of felt that way, and so that's that's kind of where I've been. Uh, what have I missed here? You. <laughs> You've been along with a good portion of that journey. <laughs> well, no, and uh, definitely, you know, obviously as I was born in the 70s, but I really started getting into it mainly because you would sit there and watch TV and have these shows up and I would sit there and just listen intently. And yes, Dr. Jack Van Empty was one of them um, and Dr. Uh, Lester Summerall. Uh, would be there, but he also, which I think we'll get into a little bit later, but he really got into the healing ministry during that time. Um, and we can talk about a little bit later, even you were part of uh, a healing personally uh, through Dr. Summerall. Um, and I actually go to his grandson's church, which is uh, Dave Summerall. Um, and let me tell you, there is definitely an anointing of a spirit on that family uh, yes. when it comes to preaching and teaching. I kicked in in the 80s where I started uh, really exploring it, and I took a little bit different direction um, because I got into the teaching um, and the scholarly side of 
uh, end time prophecy, or the fancy word would be the eschatology um, is the big fancy word that they use just means that that's the study of end times. And I really started getting into, uh, you know, revelation as a book and reading it from a scholarly standpoint uh, but also I got into other texts. I got into other religions uh, and read, you know, different things when it comes to the apocalypse or in times. And so that was kind of my track, which was a little bit different than yours, but you gave me that foundation of this teaching uh, that then I kind of moved it forward and it's still kind of, you know, has a uh, effect on me as far as a foundational effect, I would like to uh, kind of talk about is what are some of the teachings that you um, really grabbed onto early on uh, that has kind of formed through the years? Now, obviously you and I have talked about that, but, you know, just kind of explain kind of maybe some of the big, big picture kind of understandings of what's going to happen in end time or end time prophecy. Okay, well, let me, let, let's first uh, tell the audience of your educational background and, and maybe let them know that we've, we haven't just read books. I mean, uh, you've yeah. got a master of theology and a master of accountancy. Um, yeah, and we're, you and I are both, I mean, you're, you know, you have a master's of business and a CPA. Um, I have a certified fraud examiner. I mean, that's obviously our business life, but it does weave into how we view scripture and how we view, uh, you know, understandings and teaching. Both you and I have an auditing background. You know, our, we really like to look in and dive into details. Um, and then let the details dictate what um, our understanding is. And I b- believe you and I both come to scripture that way, where we want to look at what's going on in the scripture and let the scripture tell us what is going on instead of somebody else saying, this is what the scripture means. Um, yeah. But yes, and in fact, there for a time, I really wanted to go on and uh, get an advanced degree in eschatology or in time prophecy, but life happens and I went a different direction. Uh, but obviously it, it does, um, you know, come to the core of who I am. I love studying scripture. I love studying revelation. I love studying just in time prophecy. And so I'm able to bring in um, original languages. I'm able to bring in um, just uh, scholarly uh, ways of looking at it because of my education. And that has helped me develop my understanding of where we are today in this um, world that we have. Uh, But honestly, stuff has been, this stuff that is happening today, people have been talking about for 50, 60 years. It really is. 
it, and, it's, uh, here. it's finally coming here. It's here. Yeah. We have to deal with it one way or another. Um, you know, you were asking, I come at it um, from a more literal uh, understanding. And you and I have talked about the, the, what, four levels of understanding to look at. Um, and I accept those, but the, the literal is where I start from. And until it's symbolic or until it, the, uh, that changes, I have that perspective, I have that outlook. Um, and probably my generation does. Uh, so you're asking about that. And, and that's kind of where I came from was, and, and the, I guess the other thing on that, which we've talked about lots is revelation is, is not just in revelation. You've got Daniel, you've got Jeremiah, you've got Ezekiel. They're, they all have that. And, and actually, Revelation took much of what it was from the Old Testament. Well, uh, and you also got extra biblical accounts like the Book of Enoch and Apocrypha type books. I agree with you. You know, yes, you come from a literal, I kind of view it as much like what. Um, if anybody's watched the national treasure, this is the best way to explain my understanding of scripture, but especially revelation. And there's a, a scene in national treasure where they go, um, they have the constitution and they find uh, Ben Franklin's eyeglasses yeah. and they flip it over um, and they find at first, they find, they use, uh, what is it, uh, lemon, lemons, yeah. and they're able to find these codes on the back just using lemons. And that's kind of a deeper level. So that's level number two. Then all of a sudden, they get these glasses and they put these glasses on. And now they see yeah. a third level where it's kind of a picture, you know, of, of something and then all of a sudden he flips another uh, uh, kind of uh, um, oh, sorry, a lens, sorry. He flips a lens down and now he sees a fourth level that's even beyond that. And that's how I kind of see scripture is no matter where we come at it, whether we come at it from a literal standpoint, a mythical standpoint, or a spiritual standpoint, either way, you can come at it from all different angles, but there's more levels there if you just allow yourself to reframe your thinking and look at it from a different perspective. And that's how I view especially Revelation. And that's how I've always looked at Revelation. So you can always, which kind of makes it uh, hard because we could have three or four different interpretations based on how we're looking at revelation and all of them could be correct. You just happen to come from a literal standpoint and then see other things. I come about a little bit different, but then also can recognize and appreciate the literal, you know, perspective of scripture. Yeah. It's interesting, Sam, that, We've had these different views all these years, 20, probably 25 or better, actually your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now it, it's, it's almost like a, um, you know how a triangle comes together? 
to a point. Well, what's happened now is we're at that point uh, where it will expand out. And I look at I look at this that we'll get into later with the, the difference between the Great Awakening and the Great Reset. We have the principalities and the powers, and we have God and his angels on the other side. And I just believe we've come to that point in history where this is all merged, and it's real, and it's here. And like you said, all so many of the things we said 30 years ago, further back, were here. It, it's, it was in the realm of fantasy when I started studying this and looking at this and believing this, that these things couldn't happen like the two witnesses, and the whole world's going to see the two witnesses, guess what? <laughs> we could do that today. And so this has all come to a, to a pivot point, and our, our dis different perspectives, our different approaches have now merged into what we see going forward. And that's what we'll be talking about uh, during these podcasts. So it's, uh, we don't have all the answers. All we have is that the Holy Spirit has worked with us and in, in, um, in very unique experiences over our time frame to bring us to this point. And if we can help others to learn to lean on the Lord much more than they are now, like we talked about, we're not prepared, but God in his infinite mercy will take care of us. Um, if we just open our ears, open our eyes, uh, open our minds, and just listen to what the Spirit has to tell us. And, and I hope and pray that as you and I do these broadcasts, that we listen to what we should talk about. And then we'll talk. And it's enjoyable. It's great being able to sit here and talk with my son and uh, discuss things that are of um, infinite importance, both individually and as, as a, uh, a collective society. So it's exciting. Well, let's go ahead and begin to transition into some of the topics that we'll discuss tonight. And one of them that I really want to get into right off the bat um, is this understanding that at some point in time, which you and I agree, we're probably at that point, there will be a merging of the world into just a governance of some point uh, and of, of everything, of economic, of religion, of uh, actual government type things, education, everything. And I want you to go ahead and start that because um, as you said earlier, I mean, you say literal, but you know, from a academic standpoint, what you really believe in is dispositionalism. Um, and that's this understanding of history being played out over time 
what I want you to kind of uh, start us with is your understanding of what is going to happen during that time um, as we move into this time, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, at some point, as, as you said, you we're going to have a counterfeit. It, let me back up. Um, I believe that once we go through the tribulation, and, and we'll talk more of, of the specifics and what we're saying, but once we go through the tribulation, then Christ comes back and fights with the principalities and powers and, and the people. And we go into a thousand-year reign with Christ. And, and this is the people that are still alive and we're, because we'll probably have major war, we'll have uh, billions of people killed, but there'll be billions of people alive. And they will go into this thousand year reign with Christ, and he will rule with an iron hand. He will be ultimate. You will not have free will. You, you won't be allowed to. You will have to accept what God has set up during this thousand years. At the end of that time, your free will is, a, is released, and you can choose. And those that choose not to accept him will be cast into the lake of fire. There will be a new heaven, new earth, which could just be a reforming of this heaven and a reforming of, the, of, this, of this earth, and we will live for eternity. Those that have accepted and have been graciously brought into the presence of God. Now, with that said, Satan, Lucifer, whatever term you want to use, principalities and powers, uh, and we'll talk about these things as we go, because you look at things a little different than I do, but um, what they will do is set up a counterfeit system that is similar to that thousand-year reign, because Satan is always trying to counterfeit God, because he wants to be God. And so you're going to have a system, and it's, it's developing, it's, um, a lot of it is in place already. It's where the whole world will have the same economic system. Well, we talk about the globalists, and you and I'll talk later on the, the difference between the the status and the, the merchants that will control this. But it, it will be a global economy, all under one head. It will be a um, global religion. We already see all the religions except Christianity are being pulled into that. When Christianity is beaten down enough, that will be pulled in. Um, it'll be a one world political system the governmental system, bureaucracy system, autocratic system, uh, aristocratic system, whatever terms you want to use, but it will be a totalitarian government that will incorporate all of this. So we're talking a complete totalitarian system that if you do not, if you are a um, Dissident is the word that uh, communist China and communist Russia would like to use. 
but any totalitarian government has the same thing. They will simply, if you disagree with whatever this week's flavor is, then they're going to have consequences to include death because you will come under their control because they will have control over this whole world. Now, we'll talk later about how that's set up and all of these things, but the totalitarian state will happen. It's not an if, it's a will. And we are, from everything that you and I see, and many others, not just us, that we are going to take a sharp turn toward that in about a month. So unless something intervenes, because those are the policies they want. And, and if you think about, we talk about the politically correct. Well, they've been teaching this in the schools for the last 50, 60, 70 years. They, they were starting that when you were in school and I was your parent and uh, that was already starting. But we didn't see it because it was so minor and it was so undercover. And now they've had 50, 60 years of teaching children more and more that if today you say that two plus two equals seven, you'll believe it. And next week we say, no, two plus two is 21. Now we all know that two plus two is four. But you don't believe that. You believe what you're told. And that generation, as it moves forward and more and more have that, more and more of the citizenry, the population, the serfs, whatever you want to call it, the sheep, uh, accept that uh, with no question. It's only those of us that have had education with actual facts that disagree. And voila, <laughs> we may not be around. Totalitarian governments have no problem wiping out a good percentage of the population because they want territory. And so this is pulling together whether we like it or not. And the only question is when, it's not if. And there's enough evidence that has been established to, it's beyond the, um, statistically speaking, it's a 95%, 98% confidence level that we are marching forward quite rapidly. Like a snowball, it keeps gathering. It's been gathering for the last 50 years, and now all of a sudden, it's a big snowball going to run you right over. So here we are. <laughs> you brought up an interesting uh, comment early on um, that honestly I hadn't heard. This is something new but it really resonated with me. You said that this new government that they want to bring or establish is really just a counterfeit of what um, Christ is going to do in the thousand year reign. Um, and as we go back to, you know, for instance, even the Nazis where they talked about the new Roman empire. Um, yeah. Hitler said he wanted to have a thousand year uh, Nazi empire. Um, I mean, this is their, their goal. This is their um, push. 
And when you said that, that really resonated with me. You're right. What they're trying to establish is exactly what God and through his son Christ is going to establish prior to the new Jerusalem that we see in Revelation. And that really did um, hurt. I mean, and then you going and describing all of that. I mean, that really is uh, what Revelation talks about during this thousand year reign, which is, you know, Christ is, I mean, there is no darkness. There is no death. Um, you know, that's a, it's a great reign. If you're one of Christ's believers, it's probably not a great reign if you're not. And then we take that on the flip side, what we're going to experience in the, you know, the enemy's thousand year reign, if you're part of their, you know, society or part of their uh, belief system, it'd probably be great for you. But for Christians, it's really going to be bad because they're going to rule with an iron fist. And we're already seeing that, um, especially during this whole COVID-19 shutdown that's happened over the last, you know, six to nine months. I mean, that's only the taste of what's coming as we move forward into next year. Yeah, it's... um... And again, a lot of that is control. Uh, If you don't do it, you will be uh, the consequences. The consequences start out mild, they get stronger. Uh, You said it a while back, uh, how did you say that, Sam? Um, They talk to you, then they push you, then Mm -hmm. they beat you, and then they kill you. Yeah, (laughs) it's the progression of a totalitarian government you know, is it progressively gets worse till ultimately they will kill you if you do not succumb or acknowledge their rule. Please like and subscribe to my channel. Thank you. What I want to go ahead and move into right now is this understanding that I have that the world works on a system. And it kind of comes from the sociological side um, of understanding of a 500-year period. And from a sociology standpoint, you can kind of look at the um, what they call the fourth generation. That's where I got a lot of the sociological standpoint of understanding of cycles of human history and uh, human development. But I looked at it into a biblical standpoint. And what I really saw was there were periods in the Bible of a 72 year period, which I believe the Bible uses 72 as the cycle of man And that's because uh, there are four 18-year cycles within a 72-year cycle. But then what happens is there's a 10-year cycle of this period where there's wars, there's strife, and a whole period happens about 82 years. And then a new kind of 
not necessarily kingdom, but a new rule happens. And you see this over and over again in the Bible. And I looked at our history here in America to see if that kind of fits into uh, what we have in America. And I went back to 1492, where I believe was kind of a spiritual time here in America because we were coming over from Europe, uh, Christopher Columbus, and I understand the new woke community doesn't like Christopher Columbus, but whether we like it or not, he was a good Catholic. And he was discovering new uh, territories and landed over here in the Americas in 1492. And if we kind of move this cycle forward, basically what we have is we have a 36 year from an awakening standpoint, 36 years, we have a war cycle followed and that usually lasts about 10 years. And then in 36 years from that, we have another awakening cycle. And what I really want to touch on right now, and we'll show kind of a graphic to give you the outline, but what I want us to discuss here is really the awakening portion of these cycles. And the first one I really want to talk about is the first great awakening, which happened around the 1740s, 1750. And I know you are well-versed in that. And so can you kind of walk us through what was going on in the first great awakening, especially here in America? Right. Now, you had, um, you have to remember that in the early 1700s, late 1600s, early 1700s, before the Revolutionary War of 17, take your pick, 1774, five, whatever date you want to establish it at, uh, we really started rebelling in the early 1770s. But before that, we had uh, people like, uh, Jonathan Edwards that came over and the Lord really, really got a hold of him. And uh, let me let me just kind of tell you here. He he really lived from 1703 to 1758. So he really wasn't that old. I mean, he was only 55 when he died. However, he's recognized probably as the most important. Uh, central figure of the first great awakening in America. And he really had a, a couple of themes. One is that there is an extreme sovereignty of God and that there is a just, and, and lately the Lord has really been helping me to come to grips with the holy of holies and, and that the holiness that God has. And the great awakening brought the people to realize how important this is and and the outgrowth of that of course uh, we had the revolution and everything but the other part of that was that we had george whitfield and others um oh who was the other one uh, jonathan dickinson that was founder of the present presbyterian college after john wesley and john wesley, john wesley. And, and yeah uh, and the uh, Whitfield and the Wesleys founded the Methodist movement. And it was to the individual person, 
And what happened was that the awakening, God had an awakening during this time of having ordinary people come to worship him without a, a pastor, without a priest, without, it was a direct relationship to God. And that was the great awakening that came about. I remember reading with George Whitefield that his, his sermons were just overwhelming. And God would move, the Holy Spirit would move on people that they, they would drop, they could not move. They would drop to their knees. They could not move until they repented of their sins and gave their heart to the Lord with a direct relationship to him. And that was powerful. That was what began to awaken our country before we had the fight with England to be independent. And out of that came our, our fabulous constitution, constitution, the Bill of Rights, the individual man was important, not the system, not the totalitarian government, uh, none of that. It was the individual man doing what he was free to do and to express his love to God without any, any interference. And that was a great awakening of the 1730s, 40s, 50s, and prepared the American people for the um, American Revolution. And remember, the American Revolution, the pastors were the center of the American Revolution. It was through the pastors that we had the, the willpower to defy the greatest empire on the face of the earth. England at that time, the sun did not set upon what they controlled through the whole world. And for this <laughs> pipsqueak of a country to even fight them was laughable. And yet, we did. And God intervened. And God brought us to the greatest nation on the face of the earth that's ever been done that is the closest to what we will have in heaven as far as our individual belief and, and uh, being able to express ourselves and, and to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And it's that's what we've had up until now, which we'll talk about as we go. But that was the first great awakening, and it set in motion. Remember now, this country at that time was a small area. It was only 13 colonies. It was only the East Coast and down, down into the Carolinas and Georgia. Uh, people started going way out west, which meant that they went into West Virginia. <laughs> they went up over the mountain, and that was that was it. I mean, to go <laughs> to go clear to the Mississippi was well. You were months. into the wilderness. Oh man, it was bad, and yeah. so. We had that movement, and people were just starting to do that, the ordinary person, and which will lead up to, to the second awakening. But go, go ahead, Sam. Well, the point of an awakening that I believe, what God does is he puts his anointing on his people. The spirit comes in a way that just is so powerful that it affects an entire generation or two. Um, 
So much so because again, they experience the spirit. Uh, They don't just believe they don't just see, they experience this outpouring of the spirit and that then, and usually what we saw, um, you know, as far as the pastors later on that influenced our early um, founders, you know, they were young at the time. Uh, some of, some of them, um, you know, these founders uh, and these pastors were influencing, you know, even uh, influencing future leaders. Uh, and they experienced what the spirit uh, personally affecting them. And you brought up a good point about the institution versus the individual, because what had happened in Europe is the churches were run by uh, the state. Um, you know, the crown was pretty much uh, in charge of the churches and the pastors or the priest were really just agents of the government uh, during that time period. And so this awakening, what had happened, they went to the people and the people experienced the spirit uh, like they've never experienced before. And that affected them on a personal and foundational point, which then as they became the leaders later on in our history, now they are affecting the way this country is being formed. But based on the, you know, the spirit 30 some years ago, because they're going to need to rely on that spirit in this period of war that is happening. I mean, this is, you know, up until that point, this is the greatest war of all time. Like you said, it was the, the uh, nation or the kingdom that, you know, the sun never set. And, you know, how could these young farmers and, you know, uh, has been um, officers from, you know, the, the British or French armies, how could they take on this, you know, military? But it's through the anointing of the spirit on these people that they were able to maneuver through some of these hard and difficult times. And I don't think they could have done that without this awakening that happened 36 years prior to that. Yeah. And we see this over and over again in our history. And that brings us to the next great awakening, which happens in the 1820s. Now it kind of started a little bit prior to that, but it really was, uh, you know, real prevalent in the 1820s. And Charles Finney was the main pastor that kind of was, uh, that kind of jumped to the spotlight during that time. And Charles Finney, the, the, the main, um, the main uh, thing that happened with him was he had this understanding of evangelism and he's really the first one that kind of uh, choreographed this whole kind of evangelistic uh, uh, service where you'd have these, uh, the singing uh, you know, people would come in, there'd be lots of singing happening. Uh, there'd have this uh, sermon And then he'd have a call to repentance or a call to salvation. And people would then come forth 
and receive Christ uh, as their savior. And that really started under Finney, which happened during this whole second great awakening. And really he influenced, you know, people like uh, Billy Sunday later on. And then obviously even uh, um, Billy Graham. The thing about the second great awakening was this idea of uh, moving into the frontiers and, and yeah. doing tent revivals. That was the big thing. If the first great awakening was the break from the institutional church to then get it to individuals, I think the second great awakening was we're able to then go to the commoners out into the uh, frontier. And this is where, you know, some of these uh, uh, church, you know, uh, preachers would get on horsebacks and, and, you know, shoot out there uh, into the frontier and minister to people. But then they'd have where they'd come up and congregate and they'd have these big tent revivals. Um, do you have anything, you know, about the second great awakening that you want to add here? Well, what we, what we need to realize is that by the 1820s, uh, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, Ohio, maybe even Indiana, a little bit into Illinois, this, the people were beginning to move west in more numbers. Now, the problems that they had is, uh, is when they would go and cross the Mississippi. I mean, that got into the real wilderness. But people were moving west to, because remember now, these were just common, regular people that many of them were uh, indentured servants. They had served their seven years, five years, whatever the indenture was, and they moved forward, they, and they just kept moving. Well, the problem we had is that now we have established churches, and they didn't have that there. I mean, they might not see a, a, a minister for three months, four months, six months. Maybe even years. Uh, even years, yeah. And so these ten revivals, when they came, were a blessing from God. They, and they were able to, because they were really, you got to remember that our society at that time, God was it. God was real. God was a um, he was a ruler of this country. They they had no problem with uh, putting the Bible first, putting God as an individual worshiping Him, and so they were able to to go out in these wilderness. Having remember now, a lot of their communities were maybe two families, three families of the kids and everything. So it's a small community and they had to fend for themselves. And so they, they remember now you're at that point in time, your word was your honor. You, if you gave your word, that was it. That's how they operated. Um, people were just good people. I don't know how else to say it. And, and they really relished when a circuit rider would come through because many times when they got married, they had no, no minister and, and they didn't think that much about civil courts during that time. It was, well, if I don't get married by the minister, what you know, are we really married? 
And so as they moved west, they had to come to grips with all of those things. And then when these revivals came, it awakened them to a greater love of God, a greater reliance on him. Because really, when they were out there, they had to rely on God because it was hard. Uh, when you went out and lived in those settlements, it, life was hard. Remember, they didn't have dishwashers. They didn't have washing machines. They didn't have any of those kind of things. Didn't have refrigerators. They had to make do, and they did, and and they did well, because it was an agricultural society. Uh, but it it changed the face of this country as it moved west, and God opened up again, like He did the first awakening, and He added to it so that the people were prepared to what was coming. And remember what came in the middle of the 1800s. We had hundreds of thousands of people killed, brothers fighting brothers, fathers fighting sons. Um, it was horrible. And God prepared his people for when that happened. And like you were talking about the wars, um, the Civil War was, uh, real blemish on our society. Well, uh, Abraham Lincoln actually was influenced because of his mother, who was yes. influenced by these, the you know these awakenings that were happening in these tent revivals. Uh, she then instilled in him this uh, faith in the Bible and Scripture and God, which then allowed him to deal with what he had to deal with, you know, during the Civil War. Again, it's, it's a way for God to impart his spirit into the people he needs to impart his spirit into at a time before he really needs them, which is during these war cycles. And America has been blessed with leaders that have had this spiritual awakening whether personally or through people that they um, admire or are close to that have then imparted this, you know, spirit into them so that they can draw on that in times of distress and these war times, which then allow America to get through these really hard periods of our history. Um, and the second great awakening really helped form uh, form that so that we could get through this civil war period that happens 36 years later, you know, during this uh, period of the 1860s. on our next show as we continue this discussion on the Great Reset versus the Great Awakening. And we'll get into part two where we will go through the 21st century and end up at our current age here in 2020. Remember, you can always watch us on YouTube at Great Oak Productions, on Rumble, and at BitChute at Great Oak Productions. 
On behalf of my co-host, George, I wish you and yours a Merry Christmas. Everything to God in Christ.